you guys. Awesome. Hey, everyone. Um, it's good to be with you guys today. And um, yeah, it is getting close to Christmas. So like Josh said, 1st of December, it's actually four Sundays till Christmas, and then Christmas is on Wednesday. Um, and yeah, you might be in kind of a couple of different sort of thought patterns or postures. You might be kind of waiting and like excited about Christmas and looking forward to it. Or you might be kind of like, oh, well, it's Christmas already and I've got so much to do and it's so stressful and so busy and like, oh, I kind of wish there was more time or wish it was all over already. Like, so you might be kind of in one of those um, postures. Um, but this time is, is actually a really cool time of the year uh, for Christians. We actually get to celebrate Jesus' birth and not just Christmas Day because Christmas Day is awesome, but it's kind of just packed full normally with family stuff. Maybe you come to church in the morning, but it's normally quick and it's easy for it just to be a bit of a blur. We actually have this thing called Advent, which is the four Sundays before Christmas, which is actually like a practice of actually taking time to kind of align ourselves and position ourselves ready for Christmas. Um, Advent just means coming or arrival. It's Jesus coming. Um, and what I've got is a little book that you would have got at your chair um, when you came in. If you didn't get one, there's some at the table at the back. Um, and this is an Advent devotional, and this is something that you could use over the next four weeks. There's a little Bible verse, some lines to write or journal, and um, for each day of the week around these four themes of hope, peace, joy, and love. Because again, it's kind of like Christmas can just be a busy time, and it's easy just to kind of get sucked into the busyness, or maybe it's a time where it just gets so focused on stuff and presents and family, which is good, but actually we need a practice or something to help us center and focus on Jesus. Um, so you could use this um, if you like. That's a, that's a gift uh, for you guys. There is also, um, if you have the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app, there's a Bible Project Advent series. Um, that video is by the Bible Project, and we're going to kind of use them for the next four weeks. If you, however you do it on the app, if you look for plans and you search Advent, you should be able to find the Bible Project Advent plan, and it's pretty similar to that, that book. So you can kind of use the app or you can use the book. Um, if you want to, to kind of position for uh, leading up to Christmas. But what we're going to do is on the Sundays is take one of these words, hope, peace, joy, and love, um, which we get to celebrate at Christmas, and kind of unpack it a bit more like that video did. What, what, is the, what does the Bible mean when it talks about hope? And um, if you're like me, I'm, I'm a bit tired at the moment. I'm kind of a bit getting to the end of the year. Um, kind of just need things a bit simple, um, a bit just straight, so we're going to kind of keep it pretty simple today and basically just take one verse, um, which is quite a simple verse in the Bible, and just unpack it and look at some other verses, but kind of just focus on this, this one around the idea of hope. So I'm going to pray, and then, and then we'll do that. So let's, let's pray. Yeah, Father, we just thank you that we can have hope in you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Jesus, thank you that you've come. Thank you we get to celebrate you at Christmas. Um, and even just for this time, God, the next few weeks to position and get ready in our hearts and our minds, God, to celebrate. And just ask that even tonight, God, you'd speak um, through your word, Lord, speak to our hearts, uh, fill us with hope and joy in your presence. And just, yeah, just have your way in this time, we pray. Amen. Okay, so this is a short verse. It's from Psalm 27. It's right at the end, um, written by David. David finishes the psalm saying this, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Very simple, this idea of hope, like that video said, being linked to waiting. 
Um, so I'm going to make it really simple today. So my first point is wait for the Lord. Because we don't really like waiting. <laughs> I don't know anyone who's like, oh, my favorite thing is waiting for stuff. Like, oh, I wish I had to wait longer for this. Like, it was so quick. Like, no one says that. Like, no one tends to like or enjoy waiting. Um, particularly in our kind of day and age when we've got phones and we've got, we can express post stuff, we can download stuff, we can check answers to stuff. The idea of that actually, maybe we can't do anything about something except wait, that just seems wrong. Like, no, we need to figure out the app that will make it happen now. Like, like it's kind of like if you have to wait too long to download something or you have no Wi-Fi, there's a frustration. It's like, no, we should have things now. It should be quick. It should be easy. Um, the idea of having to wait is not really positive or enjoyable or good. I think that's kind of why he almost has to say it twice. It's like, no, really, you need to wait for the Lord. Because uh, there's some things in life that actually an app or a, a, a technology, a phone, um, just trying to hack something or figure something out actually doesn't, doesn't help. It doesn't work. Um, some things you actually just have to wait for. And, and that's not necessarily comfortable, but we have to wait. And it, I guess we are all, in a sense, waiting for things. Maybe you're waiting to finish school. Maybe you're waiting for a better job. Maybe you're waiting for more money. Maybe you're waiting for a holiday. Maybe you're waiting um, to get married. Maybe There could be a whole lot of things that, that we could be waiting for. And we kind of think, well, when we get that, things will be better. Things will be good. I mean, when I get through high school, things will be better. When I get a better job, things will be better. When I finish uni, things will be better. And maybe that's, that's true. Uh, that can be true. But at the same time, it won't be enough. Because <laughs> you know, when you think back in your past, hey, I, I really wanted this thing and I had to wait for it and it happened and it was good, but actually it wasn't enough. It actually didn't satisfy. There, there, was, there was more that was needed. Um, there's this psalm, Psalm 33, says, No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. Like, think back, back in those days, people would say, If I just had a bigger army, if I was just stronger, if I just had things to, together, it'd be better. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite its great strength, it cannot save. You might think, well, if you just had better technology, things would be better. Actually, it's not enough. If you just had more money, things would be better. Actually, it's not enough. If I just had better relationships, that would be awesome. Actually, it's not enough. The Bible says, actually, these things might be good, but we need God. We need to wait for Him. And maybe there's things that we're waiting for Him for. Maybe we're praying for help for a better job. Maybe we're praying for a relationship. And those things are good. Maybe we're waiting for those. But what's even better is not just waiting for things from God, but actually waiting for God. Actually waiting for Him. That actually the ultimate thing and one we need is Him. Andrew Murray says this, seek not only the help, the gift. Seek not only stuff from God, basically. They, they'll need himself. Wait for him. Give God his glory by resting in him, by trusting him fully, by waiting patiently for him. If you think, what is your hope in? If you had to think even tonight, what, what am I really waiting for? What am I hoping in? What am I looking to? What am I anticipating? What am I looking at? That that's going to be the thing that's actually going to satisfy. That's going to be the thing that actually makes things better. And, and is it God? Is it actually what I'm waiting for is God? Because the, the Bible, the story, David writing this psalm, he says, make that the thing that you're waiting for, for, for God, for him. 
And that could look like a few different things. That could look like a deeper intimacy with God. It could actually look like knowing God and connecting with God, which is good. It could look like breakthrough in a situation where God needs to move, where everything looks bad and the only hope is God actually shows up and does something. Or it could like, look like actually the ultimate day that we're waiting for, when like Jesus came the first time, that Jesus will come again and he will set everything right in the world. He'll renew all things. He will make, make all things right. And actually he will come and his presence will be over the whole earth and in our lives. And that's actually what we're looking to and waiting for, for him to come. So wait for God. But again, we kind of don't like waiting. And you might sort of think, well, wait for God like that kind of, what do I do to sit around on the couch? Like just sort of sit back and just wait. Or maybe it's like, well, I don't know, what, how long is that going to take? Like, it could be quick, it could be long. Like, maybe, is God even going to come? Like, it could, it could be this passive, like, just sit around and not really certain, not really sure. But it's interesting, because David says, wait for the Lord. And then he says, be strong and take heart. So this is not waiting that's like, sit back and be passive, that's uncertain. This is waiting that's strong and courageous, take heart. This is, this is confident, active waiting. It's actually, we sort of think of waiting as a waste of time, like waiting just means doing nothing. But this is a picture of waiting as actually actively looking with confidence and courage. Now, there's another psalm that talks about this. This psalmist talks about waiting for God. He's in a hard situation, and he says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word, I put my hope. This is like a full body, full life, waiting and looking for God, active. He says, I wait for the Lord more than the watchman wait for the morning. More than the watchman wait for the morning. So he's describing somebody whose job it is to stay up at night, watching for the sun to rise. Their, their job is to look actively. They, they're not sort of sitting back and just sort of saying, oh, I'll just sit on the couch, there's nothing. Like they're actually looking. And they're not uncertain. They're not like, oh, well, I wonder if the sun's going to rise today. Maybe, maybe not. Like they're confident that the sun's going to rise and they're looking and they're ready. And this, this psalmist is writing and saying, I'm waiting and watching more than that. Actually, God's going to come and I'm going to be actively looking and waiting and anticipating his coming. Tim Mackey, this, he, that, that video, that was his voice speaking. He said, it's God's past faithfulness that motivates hope for the future. You look forward by looking backward, trusting in nothing other than God's character. So this waiting is not a passive, uncertain waiting. It's a confident waiting, not because we sort of look at things in our lives or look at things in the world and we say, well, actually, it looks like maybe things are getting a bit better. It's, it's not at all based on what we see. It's based on who God is. It's based on his character. And the cool opportunity we have at Christmas is that we look back and we see that actually God promised a savior. God promised a king. God promised to send um, Jesus and to come. And he did. For thousands of years, there was this promise. And it was fulfilled. God did what he said he would do. So we look back and we say, well, actually, there were all these things written about Jesus and he fulfilled them. He, he, he came. And then based on that, we say, God is faithful. God fulfills his word. God will do what he said he will do. Therefore, what he said he will do in the future, he will do. Like We can be confident that God will do what he said he will do because he's done it in the past. 
we look at his character, we look at his faithfulness, and actually can wait with confidence. The writer to the Hebrews says this about hope, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. It's actually an active, confident waiting, because God is faithful. We can have confidence in his character. It's not like a friend when you sort of like, they say they're going to come, and you don't really know, like maybe they'll forget, maybe they're not sure, you can't really trust their word. It's someone whose word is sure and true. We can have confidence. So when we wait for God, we don't wait passive, we don't wait uncertain, we can actually be people who wait confident, wait active, wait looking for God. But again, we might sort of say, okay, well that's great, well let's just be ready for God. He's going to come, he's going to move, let's just get on with it. But again, this David says, and wait for the Lord. Again, he says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart. It's a place of confidence, but he still says, wait. So it's an active posture, but it's still a waiting posture, which is actually a posture of, well, actually, we're not in control completely. Because we're kind of used to approaching life as, well, if there's a problem, we can just fix it. We can just figure it out. If we just get more information, if we just get more technology, if we just figure things out, we can make it happen. But actually, no, we just need to wait. We need to be patient. We actually just have to be present, confident, but also patient. Because God has promised to do these amazing things, but we have to wait with patience. It says this in Romans 8. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, Right up to the present time. This is the, the earth, the creation. God is, is wanting to renew it. And it says, actually, it's like the creation is waiting to be renewed. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. So, idea, we, we, if you've come to believe in Jesus, have his Spirit, we're, we're saved, we're, we've been forgiven, we've been adopted. But there's a sense in that's not fully finished that one day we will be completely saved. We're given new bodies. The sin will be completely gone. We'll be completely connected to God and filled with his love and presence. And actually, we long and wait for that. And then he says this, for in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. He's saying that's the hope. God has promised that that's going to happen. But actually, we don't see it yet. We have to wait with patience. So this, this waiting is this interesting tension of being confident, but also being patient. So hope, we are people of hope, which actually means we're people that wait. A core practice and part of being a Christian is that we're waiting people. We wait for God. But it's with confidence that he will come, that he will do what he said. He will come back. He will fill our lives. He will deliver. He will restore. But also with patience, that we need to wait and look and be patient. And we can kind of maybe go one of two extremes. Like we sort of take one of these and not the other. Like when maybe we're really confident that God will, will come and God will work. And we sort of say, well, why isn't it happening now? Like if Jesus is alive... If God's who he says he is, he could just come now and he could just make everything right and he could just fix this situation. If, if God wants to be in my heart and fill my, me with his presence, like why don't he just do that now? 
And, and this was happening in the New Testament. People were like, why isn't it happening right now? Like, they're ready. Um, the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Like, they were confident Jesus is king. And they're like, okay, like, let's go. Like, it should happen right now. Um, and that, that was a good confidence, but it lacked the patience. That actually, no, we need to wait. God, God is doing something in the waiting. We might go to the other extreme, though, where we're kind of not, maybe we've been patient, maybe we've kind of waited, and we sort of start to think, well, yeah, it kind of sounds cool, the idea of Jesus returning and God coming back, or God filling us with his presence, or God moving, but I don't think it's really going to happen. Like, if I think about life, it just sort of goes along and just goes along, and nothing really changes, and it just goes along, and... Like, really, it's gonna, he's going to come back and everything's going to be changed and we're meant to look to that. Like, we can kind of start to think, well, nah, it's never going to happen. We kind of lose patience and we sort of give up hope. Uh, there was people who were saying this in the New Testament as well. They were, they were kind of mocking Christians in a sense and, and saying this, where is this coming, he promised? And where, where is he if he's coming? Ever since our ancestor died, everything goes on as it has been since the beginning of creation. So saying, well, if Jesus is coming, like, where is he? Or if God's going to move, where is he? Like, and sort of just, well, maybe he's not. Or there's this uncertainty because there's a need for patience. Actually, a waiting. So you might go one extreme. Well, now, or then we go to the other extreme and say, well, maybe it's never going to happen. This author talks about these are like two temptations. And we need to sit in the middle of confidence and patience. He says this, against both of these temptations, the New Testament warns us with its insistent call for a patient hope, a hope which, on the one hand, confident and sure, an anchor of the soul, and on the other hand, patient and enduring. So it's this tension. We can have confidence, but also patience. Be sure, but also endure. These are two sides of the same thing. Impatience is a sign of unbelief. Firm belief in the one who has promised will actually lead to patient endurance. It's actually like, well, if God, we can be so confident that God's going to do what he said he's going to do, it actually means we can be patient. We can actually wait. Actually say, well, it's okay. God, God knows his timing. God is at work. We can wait with confidence and with patience. That's what hope is. We wait with confidence and patience. And this can be hard because it's so easy kind of just to get consumed with life or just sort of be in whatever life stage we're in or whatever sort of thing that we're doing. We just think that's, that's all life and it's not going to change. Like um, some of you guys are still in high school and it's sort of just like high school is life. And it's like this is not going to finish. Like maybe it feels like it's forever until graduation. Or maybe, maybe you're at uni and it's the same. It's just like, well, this is just life. It's, it's not going to change. It just feels like forever until I finish. Um, but, but actually, when we look back, we say, well, actually, no, it, 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 things change, things shift. Um, I had this cool experience a few weeks ago. It's that time of year when there's like graduations and, and um, people finishing school. And um, it, was a good, it was cool this year because when I became a teacher, I taught grade four uh, for a couple of years. And that was the first class I taught. And they are grade 12s this year, so they just graduated. And um, I sort of was busy and wasn't sure if I was going to get to their graduation, but I just had a bit of time and, and last sort of minute went down to Mueller and got to the graduation and um, got to see some of the kids that I taught graduate. And most people, I think, probably think graduations are pretty boring. It's just like a lot of names and a lot of clapping and a lot of the same thing. And, 
And but I find graduations actually really impacting. Um, maybe it's just as a teacher, but particularly that day, because I remember being in class and, and teaching these kids, and as a teacher, you're kind of struggling sometimes, and it's hard work, and you're kind of just consumed, and it's just class and learning and study, that's just all life. And it's easy to forget that, well, actually, these kids are growing, and one day, they're going to graduate. They're actually going to finish. That actually, all of this work and all this effort is actually heading somewhere to this end point. And actually, they're going to grow up, and they're going to change, and they're going to develop. And actually, sort of, there's been this big gap between when seeing them when they're young and they're, they're older. It's like, oh, actually, I remember that kid when they were young, and like, they've grown up a lot. Like, things have actually changed and, and shifted. And it's easy sometimes just to get kind of consumed in, in the moment, but then actually sit back and say, well, actually, there, there's something bigger going on that this is all heading towards. And then actually going back, because uh, I used to go to graduations as a teacher, then going back and saying, well, actually, I'm, I'm investing in these kids, but it's not just for today. It's actually leading to that day when they graduate and they, they finish. And it, and it will happen, and it'll be awesome. And there's something that moves me when I, when I go to those, because I, I just reflect on this idea of we can be in the moment, but it's actually leading to something bigger. Because that's just school, right? That's, that's just graduation. And life goes on, and there's the next thing. But in a sense, there's an ultimate graduation. There's an ultimate day that actually everything is moving towards, that God is at work in the world to restore it. And there's been a really massive, important day when Jesus died and rose again that shifted everything in the, in the history and the trajectory of, of the story. But there's another day that everything's moving towards when he will come back, when God will move when God will come and, and sit on the throne and he will restore the world and actually he'll be revealed and he'll be completely, he'll, he'll just be obvious that he's Lord and that he's God and actually everything's heading towards that day. And at the moment it might kind of feel like, well, that's not going to happen. But actually you look back, sit, sit back and say, well, actually he's promised it. He's fulfilled his promises in the past. He'll fulfill his promises in the future. We can actually wait with confidence and patience. We actually look to that day. And then what is it like then to deliberately kind of live like that? To not just live in the moment, in the week, in the year, but to live life thinking about the fact that one day everything's going to change. One day Jesus is going to return. One day the whole world is going to be renewed and restored. One day everything that's, that's evil and broken and painful and frustrating will be done away with and there'll be eternal life. There's this picture of this in Isaiah, this God, God coming and renewing and heaven and earth coming together. He talks about this in Isaiah 11. It talks about Jesus coming, but then also his coming to reign, his coming again. It says this, even about animals. The wolf will lie down with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. The young lion will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like an ox. This world of like violence and, and death will be done away with. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand in the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. One day, the creation will be renewed, God will come, and God's presence will flood the earth like the ocean covers the sea. Like, that's going to happen. Like, he's promised it, and he's faithful. 
What does it look like to live life with that in mind? To live with that hope? Like maybe we have hope for our lives. Yes, we have hope for, for our situations and our problems. Yes, but the ultimate hope, the ultimate thing we wait for is that day when he'll actually renew everything. And it's so amazing to just think and, and start to live like that. I've just been trying to practice that a little bit more and just going about life, just taking a moment just to look even at a place and just imagine it. Like one day this place is going to be completely renewed and God's presence is going to flood it. Like it's going to be restored. Like one day all these relationships are going to be restored and, and reconciled and, and healed and God is going to work powerfully. And actually just imagining that or pondering that and then living in light of that that actually we get to be people who wait for God with confidence and patience. We actually have a sure, a strong hope. So as we come into Christmas, we kind of look and reflect on Jesus' first coming. And we look to that day when he will come again. That actually that's the ultimate thing we're waiting for. That's the ultimate thing that will satisfy. That's the ultimate thing that everything's heading towards. And we can wait with confidence and patience. And, and it's not based on looking at life and sort of saying, well, maybe yeah, things look like they're getting a bit better. Or it's not based on like, oh, things look terrible. Like there's no hope. There's no way that's going to happen. It's just based on God. It's actually waiting for God. Uh, Leslie Newbigin, who, who I quoted before, he was asked in an interview. This is Nicky Gumbel writing. He said, Bishop Leslie Newbigin was asked, are you an optimist or a pessimist? kind of this posture of hope, like do you look on the bright side glass half full or glass half empty, like how do you approach life? And his response was, I'm neither. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. His, his response is not, oh things look good, yeah, things look bad, yeah, it's like no, my life is not based on what I see, my life is based on the reality that Jesus is alive. That's the reason we have hope. That's the reason we wait. That's the reason we can have confidence and patience. So we're going to come to communion. And again, this is just a practice that we do each week to, to recenter on this story, that Jesus is actually the center of life. That actually we, we're people who were waiting for him to come to save us. That We can't save ourselves. We can't figure life out. We can't get the technology or the hack or the money that will make things work. Actually, we have nothing. But he comes to us and he dies for us and forgives us. And actually that he's alive and he's coming again. And now we're people who look and wait for that day when he will come and save fully and restore. So if you, if you believe this story, if you believe Jesus, uh, we invite you to come and, and take the biscuit representing his body broken and dip it in the juice representing his blood shed. And maybe just take time to, to remember this story that he did come he will come and let, his, let, let him come and fill, fill you with hope. So I'm going to pray and then, then you can come um, as you're ready in your, in your time. If you'd like to give offering, there's, there's offering bags and then we'll sing together. So let's pray. Yeah, Father, we just thank you that you fulfill your promises. God, we just thank you that you are faithful. Uh, God, we don't need to be uncertain with you. We're not unsure of your character. You have proven yourself, particularly in the cross, God, that you are trustworthy, that you are faithful, that you are good. And we just ask, God, that you would fill us afresh um, with hope, 
God, make us a people who look to you, who wait for you, who long for you, God, who know that you're the only one that satisfies and that that day when you return will be the only thing that will make everything right. So even just today, God, we wait for you tonight that you would come, um, that you would work in our hearts. Just ask and invite you to come, Holy Spirit, and meet with us now. And then just as we go into this week, God, even give us a posture of looking for you, of waiting for you, of anticipating your coming with hope. I just pray this in your name. Amen.